When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your weekend is not complete without the First Lady of New York Radio. It's the Joan Hamburg Show. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Can we reinvent ourselves? Can we change our life's narratives? All right, guys, I'm Joan Hamburg. And actress, wonderful actress, Valerie Bertinelli, Food Network star. Valerie is the hosts one of the major hosts of kids baking network and her home cooking show she is terrific to meet so i'm inviting you straight ahead to join us today sunday starting at two o'clock come say hello to valerie bertinelli and my other guests The First Lady of New York Radio. This is Joan Eats. With Valentine's Day coming up, I've already started to get inquiries. Anything new? You know, it's a different time. This is going on now for almost three years. What can we get? Well, over the holidays, friends knowing that I love good chocolate gave me, in a beautiful tin, a product called, I know it sounds weird, it's called No Chewing Allowed Truffles, and we tracked them down. They were so delicious that everyone was grabbing them, and there is a branch on location in New York City that's open at the World Trade Center, Oculus which is home to 12 subway lines, the World Trade Center, a path station, and dozens of retailers, 50 Church Street in Manhattan. Go on to the website, No Chewing Allowed, like C-H-E-W-I-N-G, NoChewingAllowed.com. You can order online, 800. They will not take a phone order. Sorry to tell you. 800 832 8083, that is their phone. The truffles are so great. You just put it in your mouth. They have instructions on how to eat it. You let it melt in your mouth. They are French truffles. They've been doing this since 1934. Their taste is remarkable. They're smooth. They melt. I'm telling you, they sent instructions on how to eat them. It says squeeze between your tongue and upper palate. They'll start to melt immediately and move them around and you'll feel the rich flavor come alive and you'll get that creamy, smooth, wonderful feel. The signature tin with 27 classic truffles is only 2460 plus shipping really good. And I must say, we enjoyed every bit. Then you can get an assortment in a decorated tin with 22, with salted toffee, hazelnut, raspberry. Again, 24 shipping, a 2460 plus shipping. I really like them a lot. And they have all kinds and they carry incredible hot chocolate mix delicious. But speaking of hot chocolate, another thing is, look if you can for Puerto Rican hot chocolate. Thick, delicious. I'm going to find you some resources for them. But to get your start with Valentine's Day, never chew truffles are really worth it. And they're decorative and they're festive. They taste good. They make you feel good. Happy in advance, Valentine's Day. I'm going to bring you a lot more. 
But we love to eat and we love to find exciting new products for you. Stay tuned. We have lots more coming up on The Joan Hamburg Show. Taking you behind the curtain, it's The Joan Hamburg Show. Talk Radio 77 WABC. My guest today is Valerie Bertinelli, and I've got to say congratulations because her new book, Enough Already, right? To all of us, we want to say that not only for our pandemic weight, but for everything, like Enough Already, perfect title, and Valerie's book is on the New York Times bestseller list. The ink is barely dry, so congratulations (laughs) to you. Thank you so much. Well, the truth is, you have always, from the time you were a kid, starting out in the business, been relatable. And whether you were a kid in one day at a time, whether we watch you on the Food Network with Kids Baking Championship or Valerie's Home Cooking, which has won all kinds of awards, your life, your genius kid, Believe me, I know <laughs> that adorable little boy <laughs> who loves mommy's cookings, who can resist all that. And we all share the same 10 pounds. I thought to myself when I finished your book, we should divide it up and each of us should be assigned an ounce or two. Life would be so much easier than us being responsible for the whole thing. So now that the book is out, a huge hit, and things are good, and things have been good very often. Is happiness there? Um, yeah, when I'm intentional about it, it absolutely is. It, where I put my focus is where, um, where it lies. It's very easy to focus in on all of the, um, the negative. I mean, there's so much negative to be able to focus in on, but there's also so much positive out there as well. And I think um, if we just make it small and in our own world and what we can focus on that can, that can bring us gratitude, um, that's always helpful to be intentional that way. Right. And the question a lot of people ask is, are these things we can learn? I mean, women are so hard on themselves oh, more yeah. than men. Mm. Right? Always. You know, I was. Well, I, don't, I can't I speak for men a, only because I'm not a man, but um, I. Right, but you, I, I, you have a man's son and had husband, and you know, not and like I us. And I see how hard they um they are on themselves as well. So I feel like this you, this thought enough already is could is definitely universal. I mean, yes, women because we live in a patriarchal society. Yes, it is harder on women. And it's even harder on women of color. And it's, it gets harder and harder as you go through the different, you know, the way people categorize you in your lives. Um, but I think, once again, when we can be intentional about what we choose to look at, we can choose to look at the negative or we can choose to look at the positive and pull ourselves through that way. I think that is definitely a path. And I actually give some ideas in the book, like the 21-gram diet, I think, is, a, is something we could all live by very easily. Yeah, explain what that is. I thought that was really an interesting way to look at it. Well, it is said that when you die, uh, your body um, loses 21 grams. Whether that's your soul leaving, I don't know. But um, I, that's how what I choose to believe. So when you're on the 21-gram diet, as opposed to trying to lose something, like so many of us are trying to lose weight or lose this or lose that, how about gaining something that feeds your soul. So, you know, thinking about gratitude, thinking about um, just changing your mind um, if your mind starts to fall into some spiral of self-loathing. We can actually work and, and, and gear ourselves towards the positive and gaining back that 21 grams and fill our soul. I love that. So, and I really believe that you believe it takes work, but that you can change the narrative. And not Absolutely. easily for some people, right? But you no, can do no. it. Yeah, I mean, anything that brings us to a better place, for some reason, is just not easy. But I, but I choose to look at it as when faced with difficulties, that's my chance to get to the other side and to grow and to be a little bit um, 
more open to to finding that joy, to finding a better place, to finding more happiness. Because without the darkness, there is no light. Without the light there, I mean, you, you need darkness to be able to see the light. And that's where you have to spend your focus on in the darkest of days. And, and we've all been through a lot of them, especially the last few years. Oh, exactly. And even as children, little girls starting early struggle often with self-esteem. And now with this pandemic, we'll throw a little mental health in the pot. And we've really got a lot of issues. And as you point out, for more than 40 years, you've been working on that damn 10 pounds until you reach yeah. a point when, right? It's enough, enough already. already. Enough <laughs> it's enough already. already. <laughs> and I just, I think it's incredibly important. Um, this is why we need to get ourselves healthy, especially when we have children, so that we can then pass that health onto our children and not say things in front of them that they could then take and internalize. And I think it's really important, the words that we use with children. I mean, I talk about how that my elementary school teacher poked at my belly and told me I was going to have to keep an eye on that. Before that, I wasn't even aware of my body. I didn't even think that there was anything that I had to look a certain way before that happened to me. So I think it, it's incredibly important to be aware of the words that you use and, and to let, let a little girl be a little girl, for Christ's sake. You know, that, that, yeah, there's absolutely. enough things to worry about in the world, you know, that we don't, need let them, we don't need to let them worry about their weight as well. Well, and the thing is that even with a lot of the angst that you went through, which so many people go through, there was something so solid inside you, the family, the support, the gifts, that you could really, with some pain, but get through it, even though you questioned, you had the usual anxiety, and more so because you're a public figure, but you did it. And then you could always go back to that delicious crab spinach dip, which I'm reading. I haven't even read the first chapter yet. I thought, I am going to love this book. And I was going to go right in the kitchen and make it because there definitely is solace in eating something delicious and making something delicious. It's a way for me to be creative. Uh, that's how I use food. I come from a very creative family. My mom was an artist. My brothers all are creative in their own separate ways with different mediums. And um, I've, I've chosen food. That was the very first thing. I've been cooking long, since, longer than I've been acting. Um, it was always fascinating to me. It, it always made me feel loved the way my mom served it, the way my grandmother served it, my aunts. It was always something in our family. And then for, unfortunately for a long time, I used food. Um, I thought it was dangerous. I thought, oh, it's bad. It's, I mean, putting weird things like that on it. And I've now come back to food is love. Food is the way that I share my love. That's my love language, and there's nothing wrong with that. And that's why I was, felt it really important to share some recipes in this book as well that go with some of the stories that I tell. No, they're perfect. And I loved reading about your mother-in-law, too. Valerie was married to a very gifted rock guitarist musician and his mother was a fantastic cook from another culture but she could cook and i even wanted to try those recipes yeah mrs van halen was an amazing cook um and and she was able to come to america before you could get all of the ingredients that you can now so easily find and she was able to make all those beautiful indonesian dishes with american ingredients and uh, i was just like flabbergasted at at her the deft that she had in the kitchen and what a great gift to be able to learn an entirely different culture way of cooking and i i feel like we don't i mean we are getting much better at it for sure um but to to be able to I always believe this, that there, there are, you know, noodle dishes in every culture. There are dumpling or, or ravioli dishes mm-hmm. in every culture, and you can find them. And it just, what happens is they use the ingredients that they are born and surrounded with. And that's how you get so many different kinds of beautiful dishes. I think we should be celebrating that. Without question. And yet it was interesting, you pointed out that your husband at that, during all those years, Eddie wasn't a real foodie, even though give him a little whiff of your hot crab dip with spinach. 
and that was something else. But food is, I always say, it's our Proustian persistence of memory. You know, it brings back, you become your mother, your grandmother, when you look in the mirror. And especially with you and that lasagna, you know, (laughs) the missing magic ingredient. And your Uh mom. And and your mom wasn't Italian, but she mastered. Well, I think that's that's part of, I mean, I talk about it in the book that, um, you know, she was really given a hard time when her and my dad got together and they did not accept her into the family. And I think it was her, either she did it, and I, this is my regret of not being able to talk to my mom more about these type of things, is that that was her way, whether it was subconsciously or consciously, I am going to win these women over by being the best Italian chef I can possibly be. And she was. She was an English-Irish woman that you would never know it by the way she cooked because her Italian meals were unbelievable and just as good as my nonnies and my Aunt Adeline and my Aunt Norma. Mm. And you inherited. Does your son, Wolfie, cook? He's a gifted, by the way, for those who don't know. He's a musician. (laughs) My son definitely got his father's gift. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, amazing. And you and you point out, which from the time he was, even before he was born, your husband was uh, putting music to your belly so that the yeah. fetus could hear it. Yeah. yeah and he, it worked. From the moment I got pregnant, um, Ed was hoping whether it's a girl or a boy, I'm going to be playing music with this baby. And um, boy, did Wolfie show up. And from a very, very young age, he was fascinated with all the musical instruments that were leaning against walls and sofas, and they were all over our house. So Wolfie um, immediately was enthralled with all of it. And it has proven to be his gift in life is to make music, and he is so amazing at it. And I'm so grateful that people are, are seeing what I see in Wolfie and what Ed saw in Wolfie. Right. Well, he's got the gift. He does, for sure. And and you have a very close family. Even when you got divorced, you never let each other go. That family was family with a capital F, no matter what. Oh, for sure. I mean, he was, Ed was angry with me for uh, a few years after I left. Um, well, kids too we or not, he's that. a kid. Yeah, but I, um, we were able to find our way back, back to each other again, thankfully. Um, and it's a uh, for people that haven't experienced the same sort of thing with their exes, I guess it's hard to understand. But Ed and I always loved each other deeply and cared more about Wolfie than um, than to be too angry with each other for you know except for a few years there. Yeah, and did he read the book, Valerie? Um, Wolfie read some passages because I wanted to um, pass those through him first because if he was uncomfortable with them, I wasn't right. going to keep them in the book. Uh-huh. And after you finished the book, was it like when you finished going to a shrink, did you feel <laughs> a sense of relief and a sense of, it's okay, I feel I've come through it and I'm in a good place? Yes, that and immense fear that now I was actually going to publish it. It's like, do I really want to do this? This is a little ner- – I'm a little nervous about this because it is so raw and right, so vulnerable open. and very open. And I thought, well, you know what? For the people that are going to get it and, and it and it connects with and it helps them through their life, fabulous. And for the people that don't, well, it's not for them, and that's okay. But you know what? That is really part of your gift that ability to be open and to share and to have someone say, that could be me, yeah, you know, that's not easy. And you can do, you do that instinctively and we can all reach out and say, Oh my, I've got to, she, how does she know me? That's what I think. And that's what I say. Because we, we all have been through so many of the same things. You know, the people may change, obviously it change. You know, the, 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 the parts are different. But all of these emotions that we all feel, they're all so similar. And um, it, it brings us together, I think, instead of, you know, um, taking us apart. We can identify with each other. I think that's what makes us um, more one and, and f- more feeling not so alone. You know, it's... I hired an organizer at one point, you know, determined to get rid of all the junk that I've collected over (laughs) a lifetime. 
and she found my secret stash of Barnard College clothes, size eight. You can imagine how many years later. And she said to me, what's this? Oh, I said, don't throw those out. And she said, you are never going to wear those clothes again. Throw them out. And it was so painful. And I threw them out. And I threw them because you. But we're like that, right? I mean, all right. I'm getting hold back on to, to the that. Past and things. I mean, there's a few things. Obviously, I still have my wallabies. I talk about. I have a whole chapter. I loved about your it. wallabies. <laughs> <laughs> and we hold on to some of those things. But I mean, most of it we can let go of. Now, here I am saying this, and I still have a closet I need to go through that I swore on the first day of the shutdown of the pandemic that I was going to go through my closet and get rid of anything that didn't fit me. And here I am, two years later, and I still haven't done it. I know, but look what you did. We were just saying so many of us. Yeah, you wrote a book and said, I think I'd rather do that. A lot of us are like, it's going on three years. We're like queens of nothingness at a certain point. We've learned to do nothing. You know, I'm shocked. I'm so good at it. Doing you know nothing. what? And I think more of us need to learn how to do nothing because doing nothing means a lot to me, if I may quote ACDC. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but that's like many of us who were so hyper, like nine things in one day, learned. And mm-hmm. I don't say yeah. it's good or necessarily bad, but it's sort of weird that that we can do that without feeling guilty. You know, I think it's course, super important. I think it's super important. I think rest and, and being with family is just as important as what we do for work to pay our bills. And I think America, we, we, we're just making an adjustment because work shouldn't be the be-all and end-all. It should be your life right. and, and your connections with your family that is the be-all and end-all. Yeah, but, but you have always had work, and you never forgot the importance, too, of your no, parents, I've, your I've brothers, and family. No, I've been Mm-hmm. I know. And, I'm a workaholic my whole life since I was 12. So I think it's I think it's time to. Obviously, we need to work to pay our bills, but I think there needs to be um, a, a happy medium in there somewhere. But do you feel you've now crossed the line with the happy medium that you can put it all together? Or listen, it's very hard when you're a workaholic and you've got the opportunity to be one. Mm-hmm. to turn your back on it. I mean, you don't, it's, you can't do that. Well, the problem with being, uh, the, the, I'm so it's polar opposite. And then when I'm, when I'm lazy, I am the laziest. I'm maybe lazy is the wrong word, but I rest as hard as I work and I really enjoy it. And it's, I've gotten to a point now where I don't feel guilty about doing nothing anymore. I used to feel so guilty. Why am I not doing something? I should be doing something right now. Why not right. just like relax and enjoy what you've worked for? So it, it's, it's, I'm still getting there, and I'm there a lot more. But I have learned that I, am just, I, am, I work just as hard at resting as I do at working, and that's well, okay. That's, and that's a gift. And I think everyone has to learn that. And that's, yes. But still, you're still doing two TV shows for the Food Network and now promoting your book and doing all kinds of things. How, how are the Food Network shows? Still fun? Oh, yeah. I just met with my culinary producer yesterday, and we're just going through 13 more episodes that we're going to start shooting soon. That's great. And the kids' baking thing. I can't believe those kids. How do oh, those kids know how to do that? It's it's amazing. They just, you know, there's so much on the Internet about baking and, and on Food Network, and they just, they eat it all up because kids always need to find a create creative outlet. We need to let our children be creative. A lot of kids choose this baking, which is so creative for them. Our schools have gotten pared down so much to where they're just learning science, learning biology, learning this, learning that, and they're not just giving, there's, I don't know, many schools that still have, um, just baking classes or art classes or drama Not classes. Now. It's so rare and music yeah. classes. And we need to be able to expand that other side of the child's brain. So good for them for, for finding creative outlets. And we should give no. that to our children more. It's a gift. Right. It They're absolutely. They're absolutely amazing. So now at this point with a very full plate, a little time to rest and great success, What's on the Valerie wish list, or are you just letting it happen? 
the older I get, the more I just let it happen, for sure. I mean, I have some things planned um, that I'm very excited about. But I, well, God, yes, I'm writing, I'm writing in the middle of um, just starting, actually, um, a new cookbook that will hopefully be out next year. I'm going I'm to be glad. doing a pilot a with Demi Lovato. Oh, a theme well. is Indulge. Oh, I love that. <laughs> it's the opposite I, of I, enough already. Let's just know, indulge. I think that's right. A part two of enough already. <laughs> <laughs> indulge. Indulge is perfect. And you've got to put that cake that you describe with all those layers and the frosting. Oh, yeah, the love cake. It's amazing. Oh, that cake sounds incredible. It is. <laughs> well, you have enough for indulge. And then what is the project after that or with that? I have a, I'm shooting a pilot with Demi Lovato. Um, wow. And it's written by the same brilliant woman, Suzanne Martin, who wrote Hot in Cleveland. And I'm very excited about that. I know. And it must have been when, with the passing of Betty White, who, God bless her, had this incredible life with uh, oh, Betty. working with her and amazing, right? She named oh, your dogs. Yeah. She named my dog Luna. She named one of my cats, Nelson. She, yeah, <laughs> she was just a, a gift to all of us. And, and I feel lucky to have been able to spend five years working with her. Well, we're ha so happy that you had time to visit today. I really got such a big kick and learned a lot. And the book is right out there. I mean, no one is more open than Valerie and willing to share. And enough already. It just, it's going to be our mantra on our T-shirt. Oh, thank you, Joan. I'll okay. add it. All the best to you and your family. Thanks. Let us know when your kid's music comes out so we can all promote it. He sounds fantastic. You can get it now, streaming everywhere. It's Mammoth WVH, and it's brilliant. He's been nominated for a Grammy. I'm just super Can you excited. believe that, your baby? Ah! Unreal. My baby's been nominated for a Grammy. <laughs> oh, God. Well, a gift, too. All right, all the best to you and yours. I'll talk to you again, I hope, very soon. Thank you, Joan. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Valerie. I'm Joan Hamburg, and you're listening to WABC. Much more ahead. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. The First Lady of New York Radio, Joan Hamburg. Entertaining and informative. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's catch-up time, and I like to check in with a lot of my pals, find out what they're doing, where they're going, how they're getting through what's going to be three years. We started on year three of this pandemic. And you know, you've heard it before on the air, a longtime contributor to the Today Show, has done tons of TV, award-winning animal advocate, and a businesswoman too, the one and only Jill Rappaport. So Jill, it's catch-up time, and I always like to check in, how many horses do you have now? <laughs> I have four. So, yes, uh, yes I have four horses and uh, sadly, just three rescue dogs. I lost three during COVID. So mm. it's been a very, very tough time. And I've helped friends get other rescue animals. And Lord knows, Joan, like my addiction to candy, can you imagine when I go into a shelter? Believe me, it's impossible for me not to take them all. But I've been very good in having willpower because I have some super seniors that need all my attention now. Right. It's hard. That's it's right. very hard. We love them. And you're running around with them, too, and doing all kinds of zillions of things. But, you know, I first met Jill Rappaport. I don't even remember what channel we were working channel at. Channel two. Days. We were with CBS. <laughs> I know it's CBS like in the makeup room. That and we all would hang out. And Carol Martin was there. She was one of the lead anchors, and we had a ball. And, and we our all, beloved Michelle Marsh. Right, and we all found friendships. We were all different ages. We all came from different places, and we met in that green room, the makeup room. 
and we have been knowing about each other with each other for what 30 years 20 oh, yeah, years over yeah remember when brian williams came his first day and right. i thought oh he's cute i wonder if he'll be good at what he does <laughs> and i remember you thinking i don't know if he's got it he was just so <laughs> well, nice and then he was very you know uh it was luck, funny low because, key. you know when you first met brian that was not the brian that he is you know he has the best sense of humor the funniest guy of very anyone truly funny. and a real news guy when you first meet him right but funny funny unbelievable and yeah, the, you know you see him. that sense of humor and it came out and obviously he did quite well but when you think about all the people all the relationships going back over three decades and you know we stayed in touch that was our stomping grounds that was the foundation for all of our careers right and the interesting thing is that when we left we sort of all left at the same time. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, you know, it's really funny because I started Entertainment News in New York with that segment Center Stage. Right. And I'll tell you, it was unbelievable. I'll never forget it. And you and I would talk about this often because I came from PM Magazine where I hosted that show with Matt Lauer and it got canceled. And I was, you know, desperate looking for work in New York thinking, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I had an interview at WCBS, and I said, well, I love celebrities, you know, I'm the happiest sitting right, down you did with it. them, right, finding out about their lives, and I landed a job there, but they put me through, it was like Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. I had to bring mm. home the broom, and the broom for me was that Tom Cruise was going to be in town at the time he was married to Mimi Rogers, <laughs> we're talking decades ago, and he was going to be at an art gallery opening, and the news director at the time, Steve Wasserman, he said to me, if you get get an interview with Tom Cruise. Remember, he was just coming off Top Gun, biggest mm-hmm. star in the world. He said, you've got the job. And I thought, oh, great. You know, I, I, thanks for giving me such an easy assignment. So we go there with the crew. Back then, you know, you had your sound man, your cameraman. Right. There must have been 25 crews lined up outside. Trying to get him. Trying to get him. And uh, he, all of a sudden, he gets out of, you know, the limo with Mimi, the screaming, Tom, Tom, we love you, we love you. He couldn't even hear me. Well, I waited till there was a slight lull, and I said, Tom, you have to give me the interview. My job depends on it. And wouldn't you know, he was such an amazing guy. He said, what? And I said, oh, I won't get this job unless I get this interview. And he gave me the only interview and I got the job. That's right. And then you had a lot more adventures like that. Plus, I have to tell all of you that there wasn't a week that I was now, I think, on the radio. We all did TV, too. But Jill would say, depending on who the boyfriend was, you've <laughs> got to put him on the air. I say, what does he do? It doesn't matter. He's got to be on the air. So and our manager at the time would say, who are these guys? I tell, oh, don't worry about it. They're going to be big stars one day. And- oh, and, and and you would always help me out, Joan. You were such a friend. And I remember I would come back from assignments. I, I, listen, Channel 2 was unbelievable. I had such great assignments there and then went on to the Today Show. But when I look back, and I have my wall of fame, I call it, I had breakfast at Tiffany's with Audrey Hepburn. I sat on a gurney that, with his first interview, mind you, with the Today Show for ER with George Clooney. His very first interview. I almost needed a gurney after sitting with him. I literally got to spar with Muhammad Ali. And one of my funniest stories was with Frank Sinatra. I'll never forget it. Do you remember Dennis Stein? He was one of his best friends, man about town. He had asked me out for dinner and I got a kick out of Dennis. We never dated, but he was really flamboyant and funny and smart. And as we're walking into Patsy's, literally going into the door, he goes, by the way, we're having dinner with Frank and Barbara. I said, as in Sinatra? And he said, mm. yes. And Robert Wagner and Jill St. John. I said, oh, sure, just a normal dinner. And as we open the door and I see them and he whispers in my ear, he goes, whatever you do, do not tell them you're a reporter. Do not let Frank know that you're in the media. Because remember, at that time, we're talking in the 80s, that Kitty Kelly book came out on Frank right. Sinatra. and. He, needless to say, he wasn't exactly a fan of female journalists at the time. So I'm thinking, what, 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 what do I say I do? So I go to sit down, and he couldn't have been nicer. So, Jill, tell me, how'd you meet Dennis? And I'm talking to him. He goes, what do you do? 
And I looked at Dennis. I said, uh, I'm in real estate. And he said, <laughs> oh, really? Well, Barbara and I are looking for an apartment. <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, I'm sitting here lying to Frank Sinatra, and now he wants me to take to him to look him. at an apartment. Can you imagine? <laughs> but knowing you, you could do it. Well, the funniest was Robert Wagner knew who I was because his daughter, Katie Wagner, was an aspiring entertainment reporter at the time, and she knew me. And, you know, I, was in, I wasn't national. I was on local television, and Robert Wagner knew who I was, and he kind of winked at me. And we became friendly years later. In fact, he and Jill are in my book, People We Know Horses They Love. But I have to tell you, to meet Frank Sinatra, and I became friendly with Barbara. She loved to shop like me, and I would take her. There was a store by the name of Robert Elliott on Madison Avenue, and they had leather and suede, and she loved the color orange. That was Frank's favorite color, too. If you remember, he'd always wear the orange uh-huh. handkerchief in his tuxes, and she loved to shop, and I, you know me, I love to shop, and I love a deal, and she couldn't believe the deals I got, so I would take <laughs> Barbara shopping, and I got to really get to know her, and, you know, it was just the high of highs. But looking back, you know, and Joan, you and I've talked about this before. I was quite friendly with Carolyn Bissett. I met her through Kelvin Klein. John she was Kennedy's working for him. Wife. Do you remember Joan? Of course. Yes. And so I, we would get together often. And one night she said, we have to go to this party, you know, on the Upper East Side. And it was in a hotel. And we went there. And who is there? JFK Jr. Now, they hadn't met yet, and I witnessed the whole thing. He was checking her out, walking around looking at her. She knew what was going on. She was very aware. And would you believe he came up to her, and I literally witnessed her blowing him off. She kind of threw her hair back and turned away and walked. And I, I went up to her. I said, are you out of your mind? She said, well, he's definitely not used to that. <laughs> she knew how to play it. It was unbelievable. And that night she was staying with me in my apartment, and I kept saying, what are you, crazy? You know, it, it, she was really, one. Of, first of all, one of the most beautiful women. Yeah, I she had, had an elegance that oh, was. Oh, what? Uh, uh, she just had a look about her, and she played that right. You know, she wasn't going to be like every single woman in the world and throw on. themselves at him. Uh, but she went the opposite. She basically blew him off. And you know what happened, the, the love story that ensued after. But, you know, the, these stories are just so unbelievable because of my job. I also got to meet Dodi Fayette and went on a date with him. Oh, what was he like? Do you remember? That was a long time ago. Yes. You know, obviously, that was the last last relationship that Princess Diana had was with Dodi mm-hmm. Fayette. And I have to tell you, a friend of mine said... He's a great guy. He's going to be in New York. You know, he would make he made movies. He was a director and a producer. Mm-hmm. And he called me and he was so lovely on the phone. And literally, he, we set a date. He pulls up to my driveway. Now, do you know, Joan, I live on the Upper East Side. There's that circular driveway. Right. He had one of those movie vans that took up the whole driveway where you, mm-hmm. you know, literally you sleep in it, you shower in it. And the doormen are going, what the heck is going on? No one could get in and out of the driveway. But he was, honest to goodness, the nicest, forget charming, the nicest, sweetest person. Um, You know, I had dog hair all over me. What else is new? Mm. And I said, oh, you have to forgive me. There's no lint brush in the world that can take care of my wardrobe with all my rescues. And he goes, tell me about your dogs. I love dogs. That's so great. Oh, he was just the kindest, looked at you in the eye. You never would even for a minute, other than the van that was longer than, you know, the city, uh, think that he had money. He was so down to earth, so kind, so interested in you. And uh, it was really quite an unbelievable experience. Yeah, well, that's an interesting look at this guy who most of us never saw in that way through the eyes of the media. But I remember the years you had the biggest crush on Robert Redford. Oh, boy. Your favorite. Yeah, I named my horse uh, Sundance. I would have named him Hubble. But uh, I'll never forget that, you know, when I did that book, People We Know Horses They Love, and because it was benefiting Clay and Newman's foundation, Pegasus, uh, and we had a wonderful chapter in there with her 
wonderful parents, Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward. And I called Redford's publicist and assistant at the time and said, you know, Paul Newman is going to be in the book and we're benefiting Pegasus. He said, I'm in. And next thing I know, uh, not only was he in, he was our cover. And the funniest story about that, Joan, I go with my sister, who was the photographer. We go to Sundance. We go out to Utah. And we're photographing him, literally in a huge field. He's on this gorgeous, majestic Palomino. The horse is gold. His hair is gold. I'm on the ground looking up at him. And he said, you know, be careful, Jill, because there's snakes there. And I looked at him. I said, well, if I die looking up at you, it's okay. And so, you know, we took the photo. And it's funny because it's the photo where right when I made that comment, he's smiling, looking down at me. And that's the photo we use for the cover. And then later that evening, I'm in the restaurant at Sundance and eating dinner, and he's at another table, and I, I went up to him. I said, Bob, I'm so sorry to disturb you, but, you know, I need you to sign this release. And, um, you know, he, he did this whole interview, and, you know, we have to get the release and make sure he's of okay course. with everything. He just quickly signs it, right? Doesn't even read it. He comes over to the table about an hour and a half later, you know, he had a couple glasses of wine. He was feeling good. He sits down. He said, you know, I probably should have read that release. I didn't even read what I was signing. I said, no problem. Next year I'll own half a Sundance, and I'm also going to be Mrs. Robert Redford this year. <laughs> he, he had such a great sense of humor, and every year I get a Christmas card from him. And we have a special relationship. I can honestly say that, you know, he, he's always so kind when I reach out and tell him what I'm doing for rescue. He's so supportive of that because he's all about the environment and the rescue animals and the wild mustangs and saving whatever he can, preserving what we have now. He's an incredible human being and he suffered such a loss this year, as you know, Joan, losing his beloved son, Jamie. Oh, awful because my kids went to school with his kids. Shauna, right? And, and uh, the daughters, right? The, yes. And Amy? Yeah. They all, Amy, they went to Dalton, a school a here in New act. York City. You yes. know, he still will not use, his, last, his publicist told me, does not use the Internet. When he writes to you, he'll send you a letter. It's, it's a note, he, right. Yeah, he's really, you know, I would imagine, you know, the technology age we live in and what's going on now, you know, he's one of the class acts and, and just stands for everything that we should all stand for. And Without it's question. Great person, right? But let me ask you, at one point, you have this career, you're, you're doing great, and you decided, and a lot of us were like, what are you doing to walk away from the celebrity thing, which you were excelling at and had the confidence of all these stars that no one could get, and you said, I don't want to do this anymore. I mean, I love my friends, but I want to do something more important. Yes. You know, it's interesting. I've maintained relationships with so many of these, I, I hate to say so-called celebrities, because they're just wonderful people who happen to be very well known. But like Christy Brinkley, you know, I met her when Alexa was in diapers and interviewed. She was my first national interview for People magazine on TV when they had that mm-hmm. special. And with Billy Joel there and Alexa knowing all the words to We Didn't Start the Fire at One-Year-Old uh, Prodigy. And, you know, I've maintained these friendships with Robert Duvall and Lindsay Vaughn. And, you know, it's really wonderful because what I did, the next chapter uh, that I went into, animal advocacy, which was really always my oxygen and what I cared about the most, uh, all of these people are involved with as well. So it's kind of been a natural transition where I'm out there helping and saving animals and so many well-known people are doing the same and care about it. So it's actually been easier for me to get some of these great interviews with these famous people because they want to talk about things that matter to them. You know, Mm -hmm. and millennials today, young people today, thank goodness, it's not about the product and the plug. It's about the cause. They want to know that if they're purchasing something, it has a purpose. It means something and that their money is going towards something that will make a difference. And so I've maintained those relationships with these celebrities based on what we're doing to give back. And I'll never forget, I was at a screening years ago for It's Complicated, the movie with Meryl Streep and Uh Alec Baldwin. 
and Meryl Streep was there. And she said, how are you? I mean, again, like Redford, one of the finest human beings you know, Joan, that you'll ever meet. And I said, I'm doing great. I said, you know, I'm no longer the entertainment reporter. And first she took a little gasp. And I said, I've switched my whole beat. I'm now their animal advocate. And she said, good for you. You found your heart's mission. And, you know, I think that's what it's all about. You know the saying, if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. And, right. you know, that's what it is. And some days are harder than others because you don't get any money for what you love. <laughs> right. No, but, but you started a business, too. You you develop leashes for rescue. I mean, they're all for a good cause. But you turned this passion, you know, into not only giving back, but into a business that can make a difference. Right. Well, that's what I've, I've been working up and gearing up to this for years because I created all these products. And we're just now, it's brand new for your listeners, petproductswithapurpose.com, a whole website devoted to every product and everything on there is giving back. And all our models are up for rescue and adoption. And it's never been done before. I can honestly say I've reinvented the wheel in that respect. And I'm so excited about this because the products are amazing. Their models are going to hopefully get a home from it, and we give back to shelters and to rescue groups. So I'm very, very proud of this. And like I said, we've got great stories on there, and celebrities will be involved. And wait till you see, Joan, I cannot wait to get for your beloved fur angel one of my light-up leashes. Uh, You can see your dog a mile away. We have three speeds, marquee lighting, it comes with a charger, and sayings like opt to adopt, I'm a pound hound, be bold, go old, because I'm all about the seniors. And I'm really trying to do things. Again, it's not about buying the product just to buy. It's about giving back and saving a life. So I'm hoping... It will do well, um, and more important, just like the initiative I just launched with ARF, we want to get the underdogs out of the shelters. That's hard, too. Yeah, we're focusing, thank God, you know, I had the opportunity to meet the beloved Betty White. It's all about seniors, special needs, and the underdogs, the pit bulls, the ones nobody wants. So, you know, and we've got to change that. We have to change that perception and let people know how wonderful they are so they're not languishing in shelters forever. Well, good luck, Jill Rappaport. We'll talk to you very soon. In fact, it's almost Annabelle. My very neurotic but wonderful <laughs> standard poodle. She's going to be 10. I can't believe my no. Stanley. My standard poodle is going to be nine. Oh, Can you wait, believe well, it? No, I can't. And she runs like crazy on the beach everywhere. Well, She's I, got if the there's energy any consolation of, to you, Annabelle's, you know, a, a little crazy, you know, and a, a crazy personality and outgoing and, you know, sometimes, you know, a, a, a little, little too, too outgoing. They yeah. say that those live the longest. The ones that have the feistiest personality tend to, to thrive longer. So Annabelle should be around for decades. God bless her. <laughs> all right, Jill. We'll talk again very soon. Okay. Thank you, Jill. I'll see you all the best. That's Jill Rappaport. I'm Joan Hamburg. You're listening to your favorite radio station, WABC. The First Lady of New York Radio. This is Ask Joan. Things in the city are still fairly slow. I'm New York City. So, programs have come up, which makes it an advantage for all of you. And you can participate in something called the NYC Winter Outing Program. It actually started last week. And it runs through January, through February 13th, excuse me, started on the 17th and runs through February 13th. Listen to this. For New Yorkers and visitors, you can take advantage of price fix menus for lunch and dinner at more than 500 restaurants. Two for one tickets to some of the top Broadway shows. More than 45 museums, attractions, performing arts and tours, and 22% off accommodations at nearly 130 hotels across all five boroughs. So if you say, okay, I haven't been to theater in years, and at this kind of price structure, I'm going to get tickets. And instead of worrying about driving home late or whatever, 
take advantage of one of the hotel deals. It's a great opportunity. A lot of things are at 50% discount. The museums, modern art, the Museum of 9-11, jazz at Lincoln Center, untapped New York food on foot tours. It's really quite wonderful. And you can buy tickets through the website using any of the promotional codes. Broadway Week, I love it. Two for one tickets. How often do we get that? Now, there's something I have to just tell you. Make sure when you buy your tickets online, and that you can do, go to Broadway Week, or by phone, you need these codes. Two for one tickets, B-W-A-Y-W-K. Two for one tickets with upgrade option, B-W-A-Y up. Please do that. Then that will guarantee that you get the discount. Another site to go on is nycgo.com slash Broadway Week. Restaurant Week, we love that. And if you're eating inside, I'm still a little iffy about that, but a lot of people are doing that now, and especially if the restaurants are requiring vaccinations and everything else, that's really good to know about. And I'm telling you that these good hotels, many of them were at least 22% off the standard retail. So I know you're going to like that. Just check the latest COVID restrictions before you go on to book at a hotel. There are changes that happen every day. But despite our anxiety, the bad news, like we've all had enough, we have. If you're taking baby steps, coming out into the world, you might as well come out into the world at a discount. So check out NYC Winter Outing Program. It's going to get you a hotel, a dinner or a lunch, a theater, a museum. A whole world is out there, and it's time for us to start reclaiming it. I'm Joan Hamburg, and by the way, we are now coming up to 3 o'clock. And don't forget, we do this every Sunday, starting at 2. And I love having you with us. And you can go to our podcast. We podcast the show. And we've got another podcast called Let Me Tell You. And we're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. Guys, we're everywhere. And I want you to come along with me for the ride. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Always stay tuned to your favorite radio station, WABC. And I'm Joan Hamburg.